Let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then I'll tell you what we're talking about today. Um, Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness. Um, thank you that you're here. Um, Lord, we don't just want to talk about you. We want to encounter you. We want to be changed by you, Father. So I pray that you would wake us up to the reality of your kingdom. I pray that we would receive your word as a child this morning. God, we bless your name. You're welcome here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I got an email and it says, hey, I need you to preach February 10th and your topic is humility. <laughs> All right. And I don't know if it's one of those things where God's like, I'm going to make you preach on topics in which I want to address in you. <laughs> or you've done this really well and you should preach about it. So let's, let's find out what happens here today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we've been in a series called One Another. And what we're talking about is, is relationships. What we're talking about is how those of us in the body of Christ how we ought to interact with one another, how we ought to interact the community, how we ought to interact with people in and around our world. And we, we talk about this because faith isn't something that's just between us and God. Faith isn't something that's just between, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anyone else. Anything, anything else I do doesn't matter. No, it absolutely matters what you do and how you interact with other people and how we handle difficult situations. Because knowledge isn't enough. Now, just knowing about the Bible, just knowing principles about the kingdom is not enough. Our actions ought to match what we believe about God. We're going to go straight to the deep end, folks. Today, we're not going to dip in the shallow. We're going to go straight in the deep. Like, our lives, first of all, is very short. So how we spend it and how we use it matters. And we should jump in right now and be like, God, what do you have for me to do? How ought I be in this world that you've put me in for this short amount of time? And so my actions and how I speak and how I interact with people and what I say behind people when they're not around matters. It's going to be hard. So our passage today is in Colossians 3. And we're just, it's just, going to be just one verse. I'm going to read it. 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So th this morning, what, as you already know, we're going to zoom in on one article, humility. And this is not an exclusive Christian word, right? We, I can remember hearing this word since I was a wee lad, um, humility. And I've seen it in a, used in a, in a various amount of ways. I've heard people say, I'm about to do a humble brag right now about, you know. So people do humble brags. Or I have a friend that either had it said humble confidence, you know. Um, and so um, it, it's used a lot in, in hip hop, you know. Like uh, I come from humble upbringings or, you know, your stars say I come from humble humble beginnings, but now I'm here, um, and <laughs> you saw what I did there, and um, <laughs> you know, like sometimes if you're in a rap battle, you go, I'm about to humble you with my lyrics, you know, and so what you want to say is like, I'm about to break you down to bite-sized pieces with, with these bars, right, and so um, I've heard it used in direct reference to me, Rashad, sit down, be humble, <laughs> over and over again, <laughs> sit down, be humble, Rashad, and Oftentimes, it will come from somebody who's not humble themselves. Whoo, come on, somebody. We're about to preach it here. 
Uh, and so though it's a common word in our culture, humility is an exclusive Christian virtue. And so the, the Stoics viewed meekness or humility as a weakness and didn't include it in their list of virtues. And, and all through the Bible, only two people are mentioned as being humble, Moses and Jesus. And so when we talk about humility, we're talking deep below the surface. And so when the scriptures talk about humility, it describes it as something that's not devoid of God's approval or love. And so when, I, when we talk about humility, we're talking um, that it's rooted and founded in the heart of God. So our verse, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people. Uh, and I want, I want us to sit on these first few phrases before we just talk about humility. As God's chosen people. We are God's people. That's the truest thing about who you are is that you're his people, that you're his daughter, that you are his son, that you are known by God, that God sees you. Ephesians 1.4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He chose us before the creation of the world. It says that he knew you before you were knit in your mother's womb that he knew your name, that he knew what you would look like, that he knew who you were and your contribution to the world. Because we've been chosen by God. We've been called by God. God decided before we did anything for him that we were his people. He decided before we, before we said yes, before we tried to muscle up some good works to please him, he decided that you were his people. You were exclusively his. And it says in the passage, therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Holy. We that have said yes to Jesus have been set apart for his purposes. That's what holy means. We have been set apart. We are instruments for his purposes in the world and in creation and in the whole cosmos. And it says that we're dearly loved. Now, I want you, like, let that sink in because the words are chosen carefully. There's not one jot and tittle of the scripture that's wasted. It says that you're dearly loved. See, when everything is, is stripped away, that's, that's all we have. We are God's chosen and that we are dearly loved by him. Like, do, you, do you believe that this morning? We have a, a loving God who's put his claim on us, who's put his name on us, and his banner over us is love. Amen. That's our foundation. Chosen, holy, loved. And, and with that as our foundation, the scripture says, clothe yourselves. Or, or put on, in other versions, put on. And Paul says we ought to clothe ourselves or put on humility. Clothe yourselves with humility. So let's be honest right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real with you all the time. Um, most of us really care about what we wear, right? We really care about what, what we wear. Uh, 
Some of us don't care what we wear, but most of us <laughs> care about what we wear. And I've, I've recently moved here from NYC, and I've had to like, whoo, NYC, yeah, Brooklyn. And, we, and I've had to really step up my game on what to wear. Because <laughs> people really take notice of what you wear and what, and what you put on. And, and if we're honest, if I'm honest, I mean, I judge people on how they dress. And, and not the kind of judgment where it's like, you're a good person, you're a bad person. Just like, oh, you wore that today? Okay. Or, <laughs> all right, you didn't know you was coming to church? Okay. Come as you are. Oh, I guess you did that. All right. Here we have it. Um, well, we judge, we judge people on how they dress. I mean, if you don't want to admit it or not publicly, we do. We look at how people dress, and, and we have opinions on what they wore. And I, don't, and I don't know about you, but I'm pretty intentional about where I wear, what I wear, depending on where I'm going and what the occasion is. And, what, um, and, what, and, what, and why I do that is because I want people to know a little bit about who I am, by how I dress. I want people to know I'm a respectable, reputable, whatever gentleman. So you should know that about me. And... Um, and, and how you dress, you're telling people what you value, right? Um, and so it says a lot about who we are. And I think, I think the question that we ask when we put our clothes on and we look in the mirror, I think we ask this question, does this spark joy? <laughs> I think that's the question we're asking, right? Right, that's what we're asking. Right, and if it doesn't, we should change it and go, because I need joy sparked up in this place. Because it's a gloomy day in the bay, and I need some joy and sunshine. And I want to be that in my workplace. Okay. <laughs> Does this spark joy? Because we want, we want what we're wearing to reflect who we are and how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. When we said yes to Jesus being Lord, if we've said that, we've, we've essentially said, I've put on the identity of Christ as my clothing. We've said my life is wrapped up and intertwined in the person of Jesus and in his kingdom and in his principles and in who he is. And so this picture that we're getting here is our lives have been laid down and have been raised up anew. And we're no longer that old person, but we've become a new person with a new wardrobe in which we clothe ourselves and present ourselves to the world. Anybody with me? Got a couple. I've, I've reluctantly gone through some wardrobe changes in my life. And I, and I say reluctantly because I'm, I'm still really attached to the 90s. Um, <laughs> and I, I'll be honest, I never thought tight pants would ever be a fashion. Never, never. Everything I had was super baggy. You know, I wore FUBU and Cross Colors and Carl Kanai and Jabot, like big baggy pants at bell bottom at the bottom and big shirts with Rasta belts hanging down. Like that was in. And sometimes I would throw them backwards. Um, <laughs> and I've, as I've entered into a, a new decade, as I entered into like being an adult and a dad, you know, I've had people, especially my wife, come to me and say, it's time to lay down that old wardrobe. <laughs> it's time to move into the new. <laughs> and so I've had to change my clothes. I've had to change what I wear. And earlier in this passage, Paul highlights some vices that represent our old wardrobe. 
Verse 8, he says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He also says, don't, don't lie to each other. And what he's saying is, that old clothing isn't you anymore. It's out of fashion. It's out of style. Don't wear it anymore. Don't put that on anymore. As a matter of fact, to put on the new, you have to take off the old. Those traits, those items will keep you from bearing the humility in your life that Jesus longs to bring through you. So what is humility? One definition from, from Zondervan says this. It is a spontaneous recognition of the creature's absolute dependence on his creator. And, I, and if I'm like you, I, I, this thought comes through my head. I don't want to be dependent on anyone. <laughs> Everything I have is on my own. I like it that way. I, I, prefer, I prefer it that way. I mean, that's, that's the American way. And I, I was trying to find the perfect definition for humility, and I was just talking to my wife about it. And I said, well, talk to me about how you feel about humility. And she says, it doesn't get you anywhere in life. Every time I've displayed humility, people have passed me by. People have taken advantage. Because we, we live in a world that doesn't celebrate or promote the humble until they die, right? That was a humble person. Oh, Mother Teresa was so amazing, you know, right? And like, we talk about people that, that were humble after they die and like, man, that was great, that was admirable, but it actually doesn't get you anywhere in the ecosystem of our world. Humility says I need the life and presence of God in every moment in every area of my life. Regardless of the outcome. Here's, here's what humility isn't. It's not thinking poorly of yourself. It's not accepting trash and abuse that's been hurled at you and that sticks to you. That's not humility. What I'm telling you today, it's imperative that we grasp and cling onto what God says about us. That we are beloved. That we have a special purpose in God's kingdom. That we are valuable. And we can be humble because we know it's not about performance when we think about the kingdom of God. We know it's not about performance. We know it's not about merit. We know it's not about our resume, our LinkedIn, our pedigree, what city we come from, the opinions of others, our skin color. When I, when I think about humility, it sounds like freedom to me. It's freedom from having to satisfy my pride. Because that never gets satisfied. <laughs> when I think about humility, it's freedom from trying to live up to the expectations of other people's opinions. And that sounds like freedom to me. Henry Blackaby, pastor, author, says this. There are two ways to attain high esteem. 
One is the world's methods. Take every opportunity to promote yourself before others. Seize occasions for recognition and manipulate your way into the center of attention. The other way is God's way. Humble yourself. Rather than striving for recognition and influential positions, seek to put others first. Cultivate humility, for it does not come naturally. One of many paradoxes of the Christian life is that when God sees your genuine humility, he exalts you. Come on, Mr. Blackaby. Why don't you say that word? Let's be honest. We all have some desire to be exalted. We all have some desire to be exalted, and so we scrap and we claw to get to the top. Let's be honest, you didn't move to this city just to have a meteor, mediocre, mid-range, entry-level job. I'm going to move to the Bay and just take an entry-level job. You didn't do that. I know you didn't. Come on, somebody. This is about being honest right now. You didn't come here to get stuck in a menial job. You didn't, stuck, you didn't come here to get pushed to the margins and stay in mediocrity. Or maybe you're from here and you're stuck in the margin, you're stuck in a menial job, and you're just like, I am so unrecognized by others. There is so many of these other people's fault and why I'm not getting to where I'm supposed to be. And where you're just like, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? There's a quote from Rick Warren that's attributed to C.S. Lewis everywhere, but it's Rick Warren who said it, according to my research. And it says... Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. All I, all I can say is, wow, that's hard. And why I say, wow, that's hard? Because when I watch a movie, when I hear a song, I want to put my name in it. Because when I, when I, when I read a book or hear a story or watching a series, I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm the hero, right? Come on, some of you, you think you're the hero, you think you're the princess, you, th- you know, you could do a better job as, as the president, whatever. <laughs> so, I didn't say anything. It's really hard not to put ourselves in the center of everything. And humility says, I pull myself out of the center and I push other people there because of who Jesus is. Here's what C.S. Lewis really said about humility. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, swarmy person who is always telling you that, of course. He is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud, and a biggest step too. At least, nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, 
it means you are very conceited indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Clive Staples. It's just, it's, when you talk about humility, the word that the scripture uses is sober. That you have a sober view of who you are and how you understand who you are in the world. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of who God is. Most of the time I use humility in the context of like, I'm not as vain as Kanye. Right? This is, this is what we do. When we talk about humility, the standard is always like that, that family member or that person at work that gets on everyone's nerves. They're like, man, I'm not like that. So, you know, so a lot of times when people call us humble, it's in comparison to someone they know that's really, really arrogant. Christian, Judeo-Christian humility is like in light of God. What... If we ask ourselves this question, when faced with challenges or opportunities, what will give God glory? What if every time something came to you, you asked the question, what will give God glory in my response? What will get God glory in the words that I use right now? And, and listen, I, life is complicated. It's multifaceted. It has family drama. It has betrayal. And these things don't skip over pastors. We all have our fair share of opportunities to get the glory or give God the glory. Amen. Every single one of us. Paul is saying, don't live as one who lives to get the glory. Don't live, don't strive to get the glory. Posture yourself so that God gets the glory in everything. Ephesians 4.2 says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Completely humble. It's not a one-time thing. It's not just in certain areas. I'm going to be humble in, in this area because I'm not really that good at it. No, be humble in everything, even the thing that you think you're an expert in. Even if the things that you think that you know, be completely humble. When, people, when, when God's people are, are not humble or not lifting each other up or not laying down their pride or not laying down their right to be right, that is the death of Christian community. Oh, community. Oh, why don't I have a great community? Uh, a lot of the reasons we don't have great community is because we can't lay down our pride. Even when we're begging for great community, we're talking about so much about us and what we need to get. Must have touched something. <laughs> James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Wars and fights and skirmishes come when Christians do things out of selfish motives. 
when our, when our pride is, is coloring and determining all our interactions. Scripture says we literally block out the Holy Spirit with our pride. James goes on in the passage, it's not up there, but it says that God opposes the proud. Think about that. God opposes, like he rebukes, he rejects, he, he, he's, he gives the, the, the hand. <laughs> he's opposing, he opposes, he's, like, he's against pride. And he says he gives grace to the humble. See, we, we, we beef, I'm using beef in the word of like we have trouble with one another. <laughs> we, we, have, we, have, we beef with one another. <laughs> because we think we're better than each other. Earlier in, in Colossians 3 verse 11, Paul says this. He says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Paul is changing the game right here. He's saying you're all equal. He's saying you're not looking down on this person. This person's not looking down on this person. You're all equal in Christ. Most of the bickering that was happening in the early church was like, well, they're, they're Gentiles. They're just not coming to the face. So they need to do this. And we're going to sit at separate tables. And he's breaking that down and said, you, you all need to lay down your old clothing. You all need to put on the clothing of Jesus, which is humility, which is not thinking of yourself more than your eye, which is lifting others up first before your own. Paul changes the game. You are all equal, educated, uneducated, working class, white, black, men, women, children, foreigner. You're all equal. See, I, I struggle with humility when I think I'm above something or someone. Many of us in the church think humility is admirable. We, we may even want some of it in our lives. <laughs> Most importantly, we want others to see it in us and say, man, you're such a humble person. <laughs> That's probably what we want more than just like having it. But we live in a way that is averse to humiliation. I'll say more. Dan Allender um, writes a book, Leading with the Limp. He says this, no one is humble by nature. Humility comes from humiliation not from the choice to be self-effacing or a strong urge to give others credit. For most leaders, humility comes only by wounds suffered from foolish falls. Many of us um, walk, walk around knowing how far or how much we're willing to lower ourselves. We go into something knowing and this is how far I'm, I'm going to go. And usually that line that we've determined is far above the line of humiliation. No one sets a line of humiliation. 
For example, when I, we're talking about serving today, right? When I, get, when I have the opportunity to serve, I've already predetermined in my mind what I'm willing to do about working kids ministry. Not going to do this stage group, not going to dress in a costume, not going not gonna to play chubby bunny, not going to do that, right? Well, I think that's banned now, I don't know. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord. So I've, I've already decided how far I'm willing to go because I don't even want to get close to the line of humiliation. I don't want to be humiliated. And, and why don't I want to be humiliated? Because it hurts. Humiliation hurts. It's painful. And the hurt and the pain is mostly to my pride. Most of us won't even put ourselves in a position or a place to set the stage for humiliation. Because our pride vehemently resists humility. And the thing about it is as often as we experience humiliation is when humility is birthed and grown inside of us. One of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, says this. We need a lot of humiliation for a little bit of humility. <laughs> so true. See, I've, I've had a couple of crazy years all the way up until today. It hasn't gone away. <laughs> and, and even this past week, I was in a place and a, a position in which I was rejected publicly. And I was rejected close to something that's really close to my life and my vocation and my identity. And, I, and, it, and what it did was bring up so many experiences in my life where I've experienced rejection and humiliation. And so I just, I've been going to God for the last two years with tears and, and lament and just like, God, do something. That seems to be the story of my life, God, where you put me in a place to humiliate or humble or, or feel rejection from elementary school to being a backup in sports to my jobs and friendships and now in the church. And I can't escape that he keeps bringing me back to Philippians 2 and it, where it talks about Jesus. And it says, first, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, that, that, see humility comes when we look in light of who God is. Jesus, 
Jesus, who is God, who spoke the world and the cosmos and the universe into existence and holds it together by his word, the author of life, Alpha, Omega, beginning and end, took on humanity. And while on earth, it said he took on the form of a servant. He put on a servant's garb. And before his crucifixion, his humiliation, he bends down on his knees and he washes his disciples' feet. And Peter's like, no, don't, you shouldn't be washing our feet. And yeah, this, yes, is absolutely necessary. And I, and I think what Jesus is saying is that nothing or no one is beneath you. Nothing or no one is beneath you when it comes to the glory of God. Because it wasn't beneath our Lord. I think we have a world that needs to see what our Lord is like from the church, from a people who lay down their rights to be right, who wash each other's feet, who wash the feet of the world, and say this is what Jesus is like, and embody the life of Jesus in our humility. Maya Angelou says this, whenever I'm around someone, some who is modest, I think, run like hell and all of fire, she said. You don't want modesty, you want humility. Humility comes from inside out. It says someone was here before me and I'm here because I've been paid for. I have something to do and I would do that because I'm paying for someone else who has yet to come. Jesus has come as a human. He came in the form of a baby, the most vulnerable, and he laid down his life for us. And we're standing on the work of Jesus and so many others who in humility laid themselves down so that the flourishing of humanity might happen. And the call for us is to lower ourselves, is to bow down because we are so secure in who we are in Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians 3, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Humility is anchored in recognizing the greatness of God. When we get a glimpse of his glory, we get a glimpse of the story of who Jesus is and what he did for us, it's humbling. It cultivates a deep sense of gratitude that he saw me and that he would do what he did for me. And we cannot receive anything God has for us without a posture of humility. Without realizing that we need him, that we can't change ourselves, that his way is better despite whatever we may be facing. And I, just as I'm talking to you as brother to family, like, I know it's hard when you think about the places of your life in which you're proud. <laughs> there are, and there are times when God's called me to humility and I'm just thinking, God, this is not working. Or I deserve better. Or I, I can't do what you did. I think God responds, take off your pride your entitlement, 
Stop striving and follow me. Jesus said in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I, I, I remember since coming to Jesus that I would pray these profound, lofty prayers. And I would say prayers like this, like, God, I want to know you. God, I want to see your glory. God, use me. God, I, I want this stuff that happened in the Bible, I want it to happen in me. And I want it to happen in my time and in my family. And uh, I would pray with Paul, prayed in Philippians 3. It's not up there. He just says, like, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. But he also says, Paul says, I want to become like you in your death. Didn't pray that part. (laughs) (laughs) I want to become like you in your death. That means... For resurrection power, I have to experience death. But many of us want resuscitation. I <laughs> pray for resurrection. And so that means death. Death to my pride and death to what people think about me. Yes. That the utmost desire of my heart is that my humility would spark joy in the eyes of the Father. That's my prayer for us today. I just want to say this to end. That this is not in vain. God doesn't say humble yourself and leave it there. He says those who walk humbly will be exalted, will experience victory. When I was at my lowest point two weeks ago, I just, I opened up to this psalm, Psalm 149, and it says, the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. And another version, it says, he adorns the humble with victory. And just as Jesus was humiliated and crushed on the cross, that God exalted him to the highest place. And he's saying, people of God, as we lay our lives down for one another, for the kingdom of God, and and, and in time that God will exalt you, that he will give you victory, that he will raise you up, that you'll see him face to face. There'll be a moment where you go, yes, it was worth it. it. Glory to the lamb and unto the throne. So I'm just going to end with the prayer. And it's called a prayer of humility. And if you're there, pray it. If you're not there, say, God, I, I want to want to. So here's the prayer. Let me have too deep a sense. Let me start over. Let me have too deep a sense of humor ever to be proud. Let me know my absurdity before I act absurdly. Let me realize that when I'm humble, I am most human, most truthful and most worthy of your serious consideration. Jesus, we thank you. We give you glory and honor this morning in your name. Amen.